0: Everyone, welcome to the Do Care podcast. We're a bunch of weirdos, and we care a lot. My name is Mary. Pronouns she,
1: they. I care about community. Mm. My name is Georgie Corkery. Pronouns also she, they, and I care about. Queer animals and aspen trees. <laughs> um, today, our
0: special guest is Madison Can Can. Madison is a phenomenal performer based out of Salt Lake City. They have their master's in performing arts for social change. They are a clowning,
1: drag, burlesque performer. And the first place that I saw Madison Can Can was the burlesque show at the Tracy Aviary. Yes, that's so- right. Hi,
2: Madison. Welcome. Hi. We're really excited to have you on today. I'm very happy to be here. Tell us, what do you care about? A lot of what (laughs) I care about has already been listed, but community is the number one, but specifically a self-empowered community who creates a system wherein people are responsible for not only themselves, but each other.
1: Yeah, Ooh. hell yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Well said. <laughs> I love that.
0: Well, we begin every episode by talking about some of our favorite animals or interesting wildlife we've seen. I will begin. I've seen a cute little black cat outside my apartment. Does it interact with your cats? No, no,
1: no. Sure mm-hmm. does not. I just see it outside. Oh. Okay. Just kinda slinks under cars. Your lucky black cat. Yeah. I actually also saw black cat this week and i had this moment where i was like okay if i adopt a cat it has to be a black cat i just need a black cat i need all the luck i can get and i also really like my black clothes and then it can just like cuddle on all my black clothes Black cats are the best i love a black cat yeah yeah have you seen any cats madison
2: I have a cat named Lucifer. Oh! And,
1: uh, That's so
2: funny. <laughs> it took me a second to but, get, but, but I, I get it. I get it. Lucifer. The devil. You
0: tell us everything about Lucifer? <laughs>
2: Lucifer is a sassafras. She knows that she owns the world. She struts. She's a performer of her own kind. <laughs> she is a killadilla. She loves to kill things. So the most recent kill that she brought into the house was a robin. But before that, there were two red squirrels that she killed. Oh,
1: oh goodness. In the yes. yards.
2: So she is a, she's a huntress. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Speaking of wildlife, have you seen wildlife? Yeah. Mary? Mm-hmm. Bat! You saw a bat? I did. I saw a lot of bats, actually. Where? Um, I was in Lake Powell and they're just Oh,
0: everywhere. duh.
1: I was with you. Um, I saw bats, too.
0: Also, I saw a bat outside my house. It just flew over my head. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, there's bats everywhere. Huh. It might have been a bird, but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, if it was at night, you know, Salt Lake City, we do have bats here. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty cool. I did listen to the Ologies episode about bats, and uh, I fell in love with them again. And I'm still kind of afraid of them, but not a lot of them have rabies, apparently. Mm. So that's good. But you should still, if you get bit by a bat, immediately if go to the hospital. you get bit by a wild
0: animal, you should the <laughs> take, that, take a look at that. I do know when you go into caves, you have to be careful about the shoes you wear, especially up in Timpanogos Cave, because... There's like mold or fungus or spores or something on your shoes. And there's... Well, it's bringing invasive species. Invasive species, Mm -hmm. which can
1: affect the bats. Mm -hmm. It's the same uh, like Lake Powell. You have to wash your boat before and after you go into the water because it already has some invasive oyster shells or something. They're little clams. And then they don't want more invasive species, but they also don't want you to bring those invasive species out. It's a whole thing. It's a big thing. We actually talk about it a lot. And that's part of my degree. And I know somebody who does Tipinoga stuff, so that's also why I know. Maybe too much about that. What about you, Madazon? Have you seen any wild animals oot in a boot?
2: Other than squirrels, No. <laughs>
1: okay I um I saw two moose which was really cool it was out just outside of Logan there's there, it's, it's so beautiful up there I love the mountains over there um but this was one hike we saw two moose and we saw a dusky grouse which are kind of like sage grouse the ones that like looks like they have these two big yellow boobs that they like blub. And then they make this like, <laughs> and it's really this deep. Are, are grouses birds? Yes. Okay. They're birds. I'm imagining men- like
0: a chipmunk actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nope. Uh, not a chipmunk <laughs> with boobs, but a male grouse with these big blue boop. But these ones actually have red ones, the dusky grouse. And we saw them. It was so cool. We saw them do their thing. It was uh, not something I'd seen before. And then I also saw a bunny and a snake that scared me per usual. And I did see a dead horseshoe crab, which was kind of cool. It was on the beach of South Carolina, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" I thought it was a joke, but it was a, actually a real thing. But it was dead, which why it wasn't moving, it, which is why I thought it was not real. So that's it for my wildlife. Nice. Yeah, we
0: do another thing on this podcast where we talk about content we've been consciously consuming. Uh, mostly, we just don't have a lot of choices in this post-capitalist world, so we have a lot of control over what we consume. Mm-hmm. Um, someone I'd like to shout out is a drag queen by the name of Patty Gonia. She is an environmentalist focusing on community building and the idea that everybody belongs in nature. She's been out doing a bunch of nature hikes with a bunch of different queerdos in Utah, which has
1: been really cool. Mm-hmm. Especially at national parks, I saw following them on Instagram. My conscious content person is also on Instagram. It's just a profile safe slut. I love it because I don't know their pronouns. I'm going to go with they, them, but they are this beautiful femme looking person and they always talk about how they have herpes and they're sexy and they can do anything. And it's lame to have stigmas against people with STIs. We can work through them. And one funny thing that I've shared with a lot of people lately was people don't want to not have sex with me because I have herpes, but because I'm annoying. And I was just like, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and I genuinely don't think she's annoying, I but... It's just, I have a bad personality. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, you're sexy. This is great. You have herpes. I have herpes and like, fuck stigmas. So I love that. Yeah.
2: As long as the communication is there so people can make yeah. informed, informed decisions, decisions with too. their bodies. Yep. That's, that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. It's the shame that we internalize and then don't discuss yeah. that that is killing us. It's the lies that we bury that are as killing us. And when I say killing us, I mean killing that connection mm-hmm. and then killing community because you're not connecting in authenticity. So it really has nothing to do with an STI in reality. It has everything to do with the lie and the shame.
1: Yeah. And that's something that the safe slut on Instagram talks about a lot. I love it. It's all about communication and being open. Informed consent is super sexy. It is. So fully informed consent. We love it. Love to see it. Madison, do you have any uh, conscious content consumption you want to share?
2: Oh my gosh. Yes. So I am currently reading The Wild Edge of Sorrow. Hmm. It's a book about the five gateways of grief and how we as a society have forgotten how to grieve. Mm. Um, so we often internalize the grief instead of allowing it to express itself. And it creates all sorts of bad patterning in the human psyche to not be able to release in community what we're all experiencing, not to be able to be held. Um, we've forgotten how to hold each other, how to talk to one another, how to um, allow ourselves to express this Insanely deep and communal need to be seen in grief, and with the pandemic and post-pandemic, if we can even call it that, um, (laughs) there's just an overwhelming pool of grief that we're all just stagnating in and internalizing. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. and it's turning inward and breeding more fear and disconnection. Yeah. So the Wild Edge of Sorrow talks about the different kinds of grief: interpersonal grief, grieving for the world and what's happening to the world, grieving for the things we never receive, hmm. um,
1: like a life we'll never have. The
2: life we'll never have.
1: Cool. Will you say the name one more time?
2: The Wild Edge of Sorrow. Awesome. That is beautiful. I want to read that. It's unbelievably beautiful and very hard. Yeah. Yeah. I've cried the whole time.
1: (laughs) Sometimes you need those books
0: and that insight. It's really good. Yeah. I'm a therapist always telling me that you don't heal in isolation. We heal in community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: That's why isolating people when they quote unquote do something wrong or in a, are in a really hard place, whether it's drug use or whatever it is,
2: isolation is not the option, but we keep doing it and it just makes things a lot worse. And that's, again, goes back to communication, Mm -hmm. right? And the shame, because if you don't tell someone what they've done wrong Mm -hmm. how can they ever be in community yeah there's just this you know sometimes the barriers are spoken like you are barricaded or blacklisted or canceled oh god
1: Mm -hmm. from this
2: community and sometimes it's just an unspoken barrier energetic that we feel and then we subconsciously isolate ourselves because we know we're not welcome in a certain space yeah even if it's not spoken. And that's where it's, you know, our responsibility to speak up and take responsibility for ourselves, our emotions and each other. Because if we're not all in community in some way, shape or form, we're not actually in community Yeah, because we're missing a piece, Mm -hmm. right? And I see an integration between people of various ideologies really having to come to terms with what what it means to be in community. It doesn't mean we all have to get along, but it does mean we all have to recognize each other's humanness.
1: Yeah. We need to respect each other. And I like like how you said we can feel if we're isolated or not, or maybe not feel, but feel if we're not welcome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think about this with friend groups a lot. And, you know, I'm in, I'm in grad school. You were just in grad school. I was, yeah. And you have a cohort and you can tell uh, if people do or do not want to be around you. It's just like an intuition that we have. We're humans. And if somebody doesn't want to be around you, it's like, Hey, I'd rather just maybe in some situations, communicate what it is. And then we can decide where we want to be and how we want to be there. And then we're both happy. Right. right? And that doesn't go back to kink. That goes back to all sorts of relationships. If you're poly, if you're monogamous, you know, you can scaffold your relationships the way you want, but you
2: have to do it with your words. You have (laughs) to do it with your words and you can't just disappear from the situation. Mm -hmm. You can't just, you know, there's a lot of spiritual bypassing in these communities wherein somebody has an issue, won't speak the issue Mm -hmm. and then just disappears Mm -hmm. and says, I don't like their energy (laughs) without having any conversation around what energetic... Misfiring has happened between the two individuals, yeah. which is again not taking accountability, not taking responsibility. And when I break up responsibility, it's responsibility. You have the ability. To respond, uh, and that is your responsibility. To respond, and response is with your words. Yeah, you're not just going to sit there. I don't like their energy. Yeah. into oblivion because that's what's been going on,
1: and that's isolating for for them. Every gosh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, on all sides. And I think we've all had friends like that who are just like, yeah, I'm, I'm out. Sometimes you do need to do that. Sometimes you're like, I don't know why I'm not
0: in this group anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't yes. know
0: why I don't have any friends right now. I don't,
2: and that's so. Know why I don't fit here, and that's such a painful transitionary state mm-hmm. and again that's a lot of energetics right like it's just like I don't feel and if you you know can't speak because it hurts mm-hmm. and again that goes back to the shame around grief and even like the shame to vocalize that yeah and mm-hmm. so being able
0: to speak your hurt and speak your pain is very powerful which is something I feel like you do a lot you I do <laughs> art I do I was wondering if you could speak a bit to your trajectory as a performer yeah. um, I know you started off in clowning right yeah um,
1: and maybe tell us what clowning is exactly For people who might not know. So. Because I I hear it and I'm like, I have an idea of what it is. But specifically, it's it's not something I ever
2: sought the answer to know. Well, there's not an answer. There's not (laughs) not an answer to what clowning is. There's a a myriad of traditions. My entry point into the tradition of clowning happened post-divorce. I was in the middle of a divorce and I thought to myself, why not join the circus?
1: That's
2: exactly the answer. And I was scrolling on Facebook and saw this ad for Priscilla uh, no Priscilla Mooseberger's Clown Camp in hmm. Minnesota. And I just applied and did my makeup for the first time in clown after my contortionist friend gave me her makeup because she was done with it. So I had a whole caboodle full of makeup. Oh, man. And put I bet it on. that was exciting. It was exciting. <laughs> it just all fell into place. <laughs> my contortionist friend gives me all her makeup. She was done with the circus. I was like, oh, the circus needs me. I applied. I got the scholarship with the first face. I ever did. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) And the daughter of the person who ran the camp gave me the scholarship. Her name is Julia. She was a Ringling clown. Her mother was a Ringling clown. Oh, wow. And we're really good friends now. But I went out to clowning school in Minnesota, immediately fell into the American tradition, right? Red nose, big, bright colors, big shoes. (laughs) Met people from all over the world who are interested in American style clowning. And then it expanded. Mm. And I was, after returning home, I had street gigs and I had mime gigs and I had certain People ask me to do things because clown just kind of gets wrapped up, right? I've been yeah. a baseball stadium clown. Hmm. I've done just roaming entertainment, puppetry—you name it—I've done it in clowning. But the heart of clowning—and there's so much theory in the world of clown, which is silly, right? Oh no, no, but yes, there
0: there is a, some. Because I also have
2: a—I have a theater degree,
0: and just the <laughs> study yeah. you do on clowning. There's the Italian clown, uh-huh. commedia dell'arte, and then you have uh-huh. all these different, and like the the clowns and Shakespeare and what it means to be the fool and there's there's just a
2: lot of theory and history around clowns in stories and then like in society. Well, and every culture has clowns. Yeah. And often, so the, the heart of what I've found clowning to be is in connection. Mm-hmm. That is the transpersonal, almost I mean, I, I it's an interesting way to, to frame this right now but there's a transpersonal almost shamanistic way that clowns have been in society that has been kind of thwarted it specifically with like, and I love my haunters. I love my horror clowns, (laughs) right? But everyone thinks that's that's the end of it. But there is medicine and healing in horror Uh. and there is medicine and healing in laughter. And so if we look at like Japanese traditions with clowns, and if we look at an Italian tradition or European tradition or American tradition, which is the newest version of clowning, there's a transpersonal aspect where we are engaging not as ourselves, Mm. but as something beyond. And so in my studies and in my theory, what I found is like the white face specifically mm-hmm. is like this hollowing out of the uh, essentially a, a visual representation of the ego death because when we die we pale out mm. we lose all color so it's like that mask yeah that we put on and then the triangles that are often around the eyes are portals so we can see oh. the soul through the triangles through the diamonds because diamonds are often associated with the vulva in mm-hmm. ancient traditions which are portals from one sphere to another and <laughs> so that's that. around our <laughs> eyes right uh-huh. mm-hmm. and then the red as There's a lot to it for me. And this is just my personal yeah, stuff yeah. what I believe. This has nothing to do with what it is or what it isn't. But the red nose, again, like blurs that identity further where we're seeing. And it's the symbol of we are now removed from normalcy. Mm-hmm. We are in the abstract. And in that, I can connect to you not as an ego to ego. But again, in that transpersonal shamanistic state of I am here to bring you an experience of mm-hmm. X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it's connection it's all connection whether it's for grief joy I do a lot of fortune telling as a clown so
0: you see that a lot in your performances like the way you engage with people in the audience it's really interactive like you're it's hard to put it into words but it is like a bit of a transformational experience like you're at a performance and I've seen you mostly do drag dragon burlesque but it does feel much bigger like you're in a different space a different world for this hour you are in you're completely transported that's what I felt every time I go to burlesque
1: <laughs> and I feel um, and maybe you can relate to this performing, you are you you take on being somebody else mm-hmm. and it, whether it's someone you want to be or just like a moment to be anybody, I think about Birdless because that's primarily where I've seen you I love Birdless. I've been going for a while but the last two times maybe you were a dove and you threw a temper tantrum and you said that was the first time you threw a temper tantrum like as a performance, which it was great, and then the time before that you were a laughing bird cucaburra. a kookaburra, and so you're like laughing and then you were crying. I was like, this is great. This is a wonderful juxtaposition (laughs) and I love it. (laughs) So you did bring both of those things. It did. Yes. (laughs) It was
2: just uh, fantastic. Uh, How did you get into the burlesque scene in Utah? So that was all divine timing. And I'm I'm realizing more and more that I have to just be patient Mm -hmm. with this place. (laughs) Everyone, you know, asks me like, why didn't you leave 10 years ago? Why don't you leave now? You need to move. You need to get out of that state and i'm like there is something about the pressure cooker of utah that allows me to be the radical that i am Mm -hmm. i would this is the place that birthed broke and built me like Mm -hmm. that's what i say is it's you can't separate me from this place and I don't want to be separate from this place. It's less about running away Mm -hmm. to another place that would accept more. I'm I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in disturbing the status quo in order to highlight what's wrong with the status quo and where better to do that than Salt Lake City. So what happened was I started learning belly dance and that came in a little bit before clowning. And then my belly dance teacher hooked me up with the community Mm -hmm. and I met someone who who was running burlesque classes. And I showed up to these burlesque classes and realized very quickly that this was my heart. Mm. And then as time went on, I did so many shows that were just fundraising shows. I didn't make a dime in burlesque for like the first three years. It was all volunteer. It was all service. It was all giving, 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 giving. And I became, you know, I love it. I love volunteering, but it became one of those moments for me where I looked around at my community of dancers suffering in a hall of work. Yeah. And I knew as an artist that in the underground this was not the way it had to be. So one of my burlesque friends in the in the class told me there's a restaurant opening up. <laughs> it was prohibition and I have my own issues with them now but in the beginning when the original owner Nate brought me in I was at this 1920s venue with a speakeasy vibe the doors would open library books all these things
1: that's is that a little bit more south
2: it's in Murray case okay. yes. yes but what happened was I showed up and I was like you need burlesque and they didn't know what burlesque was but I showed up at the right time right place got my foot in the door put on the first burlesque show it was not good
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was, so sure. I was That's great. (laughs) Start before you're ready. (laughs) And I was like, damn, that was uh, not cute at all. We got paid. It was fine. But then, uh, and then, you know, Voodoo Productions came in and did a really good show, but then they stopped providing people and then it just slowly grew. But I was in there in the heart of it. So I became one of their main MCs and then Louis became, Louis Manhattan became another MC and he's connected to Voodoo and we're not going to get into the drama. (laughs) We're not going to get in there. But for the first four years, it was really good. Lots of people were coming. It Exploded. People were hungry for burlesque, but it was me in the right place at the right time with yeah. a mentor in my ear who had traveled and done burlesque and was like, this is how much it costs. Yeah. And so I was bullshitting. I was like, Hey, 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 you need burlesque. And this is how much it costs. And I think this would be really good for your, your bar. And, and baby I am
1: excellent, the most established. Yes. Baby. I <laughs> am the one you want. <laughs> and they do. burlesque.
2: At 24 years old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they do burlesque to this day there. Right. Well, I don't yeah. know
2: about post pandemic, but they do but they do it in a very... So the original owner, who was really someone so close to my heart, his name is Nate Porter, treated us really well. And he was a straight white man and he was resistant to a lot, but he kept giving it its moment, yeah. even with the fear of this is something Utah has never seen. I'm scared. This is the bar license. I take care of all these people. He always had this caretaking aspect to him. But when he sold the business to his other partner, that's when things started to go downhill. Yeah. yeah. And the pay structure changed and they started having levels and tiers of performers, like top tier performer, tier one, tier two, tier three. And nobody knew who put which performer where. Yeah. And I had been there the longest and it was not discussed with me, even though I had been helping, booking, doing things, giving them business consultations them for free yeah. and giving the bar revenue mm-hmm. for the last four years. There was no discussion. So it was like an invisible tiered system. And then who ended up on bottom? Who ended up in the third tier? The fat performers, the brown performers, and the trans performers. Oh, that's... (laughs) This bad business practice. And who ended up in the top tier? The thin, white, Yeah. And I was like, listen, I actually cannot participate in the active exclusion of my people. Yeah. And the blatantly obvious racism and transphobia that exists in this bar now since the tiered structure has happened when we were all on the same level.
1: Is it something that that you've you've seen? I I, I do want to talk more about your transition from clowning to burlesque. Yeah. And the tr- trajectory you're on and the degree that you just got, yeah. but before going there, is that something that you do see in Utah generally? Or I, guess, I assume it's an issue everywhere. It's
2: an issue everywhere, specifically in burlesque because it's so sex soaked. Yeah, and everyone has an idea of what sexy is. But burlesque has always belonged yeah. to the weirdos. Yeah, has always belonged to the 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 brown and black bodies and the fat bodies and the queer bodies and the mm-hmm. trans bodies. Yeah. A lot of our mothers were trans, yeah. and people don't talk about this yeah so it's can
0: you take a moment to describe burlesque in in your eyes yeah in
2: my eyes burlesque is one of the most radical forms of dance right because you don't have to have a dance background to do burlesque Hmm. and it's unveiling like the truth of your soul (laughs) it's revealing like you are director producer musician actor performer it is a mini play of your own design in three minutes Mm. that's incredible
0: and (laughs) it's
2: so fast. And so, and it can go incredibly deep, or it can be just the stupidest thing you've ever seen in your life, (laughs) which is both beautiful. It's all beautiful. I love burlesque for its ability to highlight the unseen and the unspoken and bridge the gap between who you think someone is and who they actually are with this unveiling of the body. There's something humbling about a naked body where you, you can't actually hide. Mm -hmm. And in that Inability to hide, you highlight that with color and story and theater and emotion. And-
0: yeah, you can tell someone's whole story mm-hmm. from their body.
1: Mm-hmm. Mary and I have obsessively been talking about how we would write a play,
0: write a play around, bur- like kind of like a musical burlesque. Which- yeah, and everything
1: that you just said, I'm oh, like oh, highlight. Oh, our feelings. Oh, so about- so I, this burlesque. just makes me so impassioned.
2: write we'll <laughs> <laughs> Leave Madison. I need to write. I'll, I'll come save back.
1: Save.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, you write it, I'll come back. You write I'll be the, what is it? The, the dramaturge. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Perfect. We will need that. For real. For real.
2: We'll we'll
0: be in touch. Yeah, I'm here for it. We were talking about kind of some of the struggles you were experiencing and burlesque. And you've mentioned in the past how a lot of burlesque and people in the sex positive community are really big
2: components of social change. Mm-hmm. Could you speak to the community we live in and as well as how yes. we're in? So, <laughs> um, I kind of touched on it already with the issues with prohibition, yeah. right? And I removed myself mm-hmm. actively from that entire scene because the number of stories that I was was and I say gifted because anytime someone reveals their pain or their truth to me I take it as a gift and it came from the staff and it came from the dancers and it came from my fellows and it 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 there was just this silencing this collaring of actual expression so now it's like they've created a container where it can only be like 20s music Mm. and it has to be classic there's not a lot of like radicalism in it anymore so it's it's like hollowing out the heart in that venue well leave that aside there's a reason i left to (laughs) create my own thing because i firmly believe that burlesque is one of the main motivators of social change in society specifically because art shifts Mm -hmm. and there's something about body-to-body communication. Again, how we feel, we just feel. There's like an energetic resonance and an energetic shift that we feel. And I think that bur- burlesque gets to the heart of it so quickly that it's almost like a, um, it's like almost like a, the heart, the heart jump. Charge. Yeah, the charge.
0: <laughs> the tra- I wish you could t- see t- the hand motions t- <laughs> that are happening. <laughs> 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 We're both like, you yeah, the things. The paddles, <laughs> clear. paddles, clear. clear. how charged. it is. <laughs> charge. And you <they> see it <laughs> in
2: the audience response. And once they have a taste of this, they're like, I don't know why I have to have it, but I have. Yeah, they're like electrified. Have it. Mm-hmm. I have to have whatever this is, and I feel like in social change, it takes action, mm-hmm. and burlesque gets to the heart of that action, and super quickly through dance, mu- I mean, it, it hits every modality. You've yeah. got sex, you've got <laughs> music, you've got color, you've got light, you've got story, you've got. Whoop. And it's super. I mean, it gets. I mean, if we think about ritual and the way we used to communicate as a species, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's that. This, this nude, ferocious, loud story heart, it gets all the way back to the root.
1: It's also in a way, and maybe this is boiling it down too simply, but such a concise way to inspire and enact change or to call for change. Because uh-huh. like you said, it can be a three minute, it could be a three minute ballet, like all in one. I have done a lot of activism and just seen how slow all the cogs turn. And then somebody will come around with some performance art and I'm like, oh my gosh, my why didn't I think of that? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So thinking about burlesque as inspiring like change. social change. Absolutely. Yeah. So refreshing compared to just, you know, doing
2: rally right. after
1: rally on the Capitol steps and being <laughs> like,
2: okay, they didn't pass that bill or they. Well, we have to, we have to pass our own bills. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, and if we speak about passing bills, right in burlesque, you get the bill. <laughs> money. <you're> not, oh. <laughs> money. <laughs> has to not to, you know, conflate it, but like at the same time, yeah, yeah our money speaks speaks, where we choose to spend our money speaks. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about post-capitalistic mindset, the queers have been here. We understand you pay your performers, you drag people eat with these tips. Mm -hmm. You're sustaining your queer community with these tips. And it started a long time ago where people who couldn't afford their bills for whatever reason, social stigma, pain, loss of a job, get up and perform get yeah. up in lip sync and the community will fund you like at Pass the Basket drag is church it's mm. just a queer church
1: that's really beautiful
0: the community of coming together
1: yeah and celebrating somebody yeah, who, yeah. for who they are that's great uh, yeah. and it
2: all comes from a deep need to connect yeah and sustain one another that's like yeah down here below it all is the desire to take care of your fellow man yeah woman person <laughs> human alien cat dog <laughs> take care of yourself Take yeah. care yeah season um, take care of your no, loved ones. For your sure. loved
1: ones, yes. Okay. Going back to bills, um, you have mentioned at least um, at the shows that I've seen you mm. at the the weird laws that Utah has. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Would would you go over those? Maybe where they're at now. Yes. How oh, they affect you? Yes.
2: <laughs> um, so a few years ago, it was the Tenth District Court, in it was a case in Colorado that passed the freedom. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I, me, was so excited. I was like, it's time. <laughs> We're going to let our titties shine. Oh <laughs> Excited, and this was right after I had graduated with my master's in performance art for social change, and I was like, "We're just going to keep the ball rolling. We're yeah. going to do a thing. We're going to march on the Capitol with our tits out. It's going to be called We've Graduated Tit, <laughs> and I cannot wait. We're going to wear little hats. And be super smart. Blah, <laughs> da, da, da. And then it was my sex worker community that called me into like a circle, and they were like, "Madison, can can." I was like, "Me." Yeah. <laughs> but- you are an idiot. I'm like <laughs> professionally, yes. <laughs> and, and they're like, no. sit down, listen. If you do this, it's going to highlight a lot of the um, number one, people might get arrested because if you are wandering around with your tits out in Salt Lake City and someone says that you're, you are you are disturbing the peace, mm-hmm. you can get fined. It doesn't matter if the 10th District Court ruling affects all of these four states, you can still get arrested because someone deems you, a uh, disturbance to the public peace yeah I was like oh and they're like and it's gonna affect the sex worker community the most because it's gonna put a target on our backs and this is a really good lesson for me at the time the person who gave me this lesson I do not get along with them at all <laughs> sex workers don't all get along <laughs> I was like, uh, "How dare you tell me what to do? You're just jealous." And the no, they were just very aware, very smart, and protecting the community from an event that could accidentally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, accidentally highlight who we are and what we're doing. But then the other side of the coin is like, Slut Walk still happens. Mm-hmm. I speak, I spoke at Slut Walk, and would like to continue to speak for Slut Walk uh, this last year. But the heart of it is being responsible. Yeah. So even though I had this vision of, yeah, we finally get to free our titties. The fact of the matter is like, no, we're not there yet. Yeah. And I had to take responsibility and cancel the whole march, the whole thing. I had all my activists on it. It was a whole moment y'all. And I wrote (laughs) a giant apology. Like here's my learning moment. Mm -hmm.
1: This is why. And it's nice that you're able to share that with everybody.
2: Well, it was extremely humbling because if you're going to be any kind of rabble rouser, mm-hmm. you have to understand the danger behind it. It's all fun and games until someone actually has to deal with the consequences of being arrested in a city that doesn't actually believe in free speech yeah, yeah. and uh, or freedom of body autonomy. And that's what I see a lot with my own community is now that I have been seasoned and tempered like glass and burned <laughs> in the fires and you know, having all these radical conversations that need to be had in order for us to grow safer and tighter. I see people making some huge mistakes. So now I'm in that position and I say, please, you know, there's progress, but progress mm-hmm. without consideration for everyone yeah. is dangerous. So going back to the laws around burlesque, they're called blue laws. So as much as like this ruling in the 10th district court affected the ability to display breast tissue, it doesn't actually do anything for the burlesque community who's often trapped in bars. So i I say trapped in bars because there is a barrier that has been placed upon drag and burlesque and anything that's considered underground and non-refined and non-academic and non-theatrical. All of that is not true, but it's seen as something below. And you're speaking specifically in Utah and with laws in Utah. I'm speaking about Utah specifically, yes, but it is across the nation thing. RuPaul's Drag Race is an anomaly. These queens get out. Some of them have shows. Some... Some of them are able to perform in large theaters and sell out a crowd, but the majority of people end up being in bars. Yeah. And for queer people, we understand that a lot of our gathering watering holes are in bars, which we combine trauma with alcohol, yep. with blah, blah. We know the... the, the, with the
1: strangers the, and yeah.
2: We know like the that. tunnel. We know the tunnel of trying to connect in any way we can. And it's toxic. And I know we're kind of roaming around the issue, but basically we can't actually display our challenges. The only reason I was able to do a fully nude burlesque show in the state of Utah is because it was with the Fringe Theater mm. and it was a theater-based production. That
0: is so yeah. I've seen so many naked bodies in theater. I mean, I just fair,
1: like, right? Isn't that yeah? Here they're yeah. naked. Yeah, that's. So I think good. I was twelve when I first saw that, and my mom's like, "They're about to be naked." It's I was art. Like, okay. There's
0: like, like art, <laughs> and then there's there's
2: the dirty underground <laughs> uh, where we're not art. Yeah, like, no. And this is another thing, right? Is if we're thinking about theater art, and then we're thinking about underground as art, let's talk about what's actually happening in approved theater that's allowed to be in the public consumption, like hair. It doesn't matter, okay? Yeah. It can be a very sexually expressive show, but th- how many shows actually allow queer people to be queer?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. How many theatrical productions actually highlight the nature of theater as queer? We all know the majority of these people are gay, but usually with kinky boots or head or even like Rocky Horror, right? There is this like, oh, these characters are queer. But in the majority of theater, we know they're queer, but the queerness is erased to provide a heteronormative script that's approvable, safe, and non-controversial, even if it's quote-unquote controversial. We get into the underground, queer for queer. Everybody knows that you're gay. Everybody (laughs) knows that you are telling your story with rainbows and lights and sound and all of the things. You are not hiding the gay in drag Burlesque and cabaret. Yeah. You're not, which is why that ceiling of the bar is kept in place. Mm-hmm. It's only very recently in the state of Utah, within the last two years, that universities have finally been asking us to come and perform and speak for ourselves. Wow! It's only within the last two years, and this is a unique phenomenon in Utah. I haven't seen huh. uh, maybe like online a few shows in like Kansas that I was in Wisconsin that I was allowed to be a part of in the pandemic, but allowing um, queers to be queer and naked and Radical in a theater space that's not a bar is unbelievably rare, Hmm. which is why fringe theater is so important. Because if we can break open that box and continue to show that queers can be queer and not have to play a heteronormative script, my god, (laughs) what would (laughs) what limitless bounds, limitless, you know, and that not only that, but we think about like shows and
0: it would open up art. It would just. Give so many more opportunities, so many more venues. It Mm -hmm. would just we could be seen. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You
2: know,
1: especially like maybe Nickelodeon could have. Two women actually kiss instead of just hold hands and walk off into the sunset. And I'm talking about Cora specifically. And I was really sad
2: about that. And well, well, yeah, it's limited, right? So we're like, Oh no, but there are moves being made to, you know, like Steven universe and all of these cartoons and shows and like the L word and, you know, queer eye for the straight guy. It's like, we're doing it, but at what Progress at what's yeah needed. How long have we been? It also sometimes feel
0: it. like, hey, we we let you in. We yeah. got you. Here's a little crump
2: <laughs> You get. Aren't you grateful? Yeah.
0: No, we gave you Owl House. They're Maybe. kind of <laughs> right. We gave you. We gave you a single season of this show, okay? We gave you. We let Orange is the New Black go on for seven seasons, so you're <laughs> welcome. So we've done our part. We did it. We we fixed the gay problem.
2: Well, we fixed the gay problem. <laughs> you're repre-
1: you're represented. Oh, are repre- Don't you feel seen? Don't you feel seen?
2: And not tokenized? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I think Can about this a lot. I grew up going to the ballet, and, you know, I'm queer, and I know the director of Ballet West here, Adam school Maybe I said that wrong. He's gay. He's, he's always with his partner. He's always gay. And... <laughs> He directs it, and like, I know a lot of the dancers too, and they're all, they're all gay. And so I asked him once, I was like, are you ever gonna have a performance that's not just about heteronormative love? Or are you gonna take one of those and just like, flip the script? Like, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna do this? And he was like, oh, no, 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 our, our donation base is, uh, and I'm like, there are so many queers out there that would pay for this. Who, like, want to see themselves in just ballet. Just, like, radicalize it. Just just do it. Like, you're here. You're, you, you, you are you're the misrep- company. misrepresenting who you are, and so many people in this audience would love that. Oh, it just... So the day I can go support ballet that's just queer, and it's
2: considered world-class. I don't know. Maybe I'll explode. Well, and that's you. what we're dying for, you know what I mean? And it, it is true that the funding... And this is just as the nasty nature of society is the people... People who own the money, who have the money, mm-hmm. are white, straight men. So they are therefore funding art that reinforces their belief system. Yeah. But again, where you spend your money, where you hand your dollar-dollar bills, that's what changes the nature of the scene. And that's why drag has exploded in Utah in such a way, because we are so queer. Yeah. And I mean, we're fighting, we're fighting to, to be able to continue to show up at universities and continue to be able to speak for ourselves. These university shows, I have never seen auditoriums so packed. Hmm, yeah, It's insane.
1: What universities? U- university um, of Utah? Yeah.
2: University of Utah, Slick, Weber, USU, UVU, all over. Every single one is okay. now booking drag, which is great. And again, it's like this one, like once a year kind of thing. Yeah. Is, and I myself have tried to submit drag programs to the University of Utah. Utah, bless the theater department. Seriously, bless them. They're trying, but without the approval of the board, which is as queer as it is. (laughs) As queer as it is, (laughs) there's something about being a radical that still terrifies them. Yeah, we can't actually be radical because we're still controlled by money. Yeah, how can you? And this is the hard part, right? Is I myself have found moving from starving artist mindset of. Like I'm volunteering my time. I'm giving up my art for free. I'm sharing my art for free. I've had to become more money centered period because we can't sustain our community without money. Yeah. And so as radical as we want to be, you have to have money to do the thing so i i have compassion for the ballet because until we eradicate like truly eradicate the patriarchy and the fundamental foundation of white men having all the power money and control Mm -hmm. we're going to be subject to power money and control to even get off the ground yeah Mm. and i hate it i don't like it i'm not a fan but this is why i do (laughs) things where i take a shit ton of money from the white men and give it to my queer community yeah i feel like a robin hood right? (laughs) Right? yes i will take your money <laughs> just transfer it over we've talked a bit about like
0: your social activism yeah. but what performances have you been most proud of or what projects are you really excited to uh, do oh
2: yeah I am so proud of Birdlesque because that is a fundraiser for the yeah. aviary right
0: so, yeah yeah so to explain Birdlesque is a fundraiser put on by the aviary which you've done for how many years now oh like five now five years yeah. and now it's become a biannual yeah, celebration yeah thank which, god it needs which to should be... be like a quarter annual <laughs> it's um, a
2: lot of work I know. could imagine yeah I'd you're no. like, do you want to help? <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: Um, which, yeah, is a fundraiser at the Tracy Aviary located in Salt Lake City. sells
1: out every, every time. Year. So uh, the moment right. you see the it, the moment you buy see tickets.
0: it, buy tickets. It's worth it. It is the most extraordinary queer celebration of queers and birds
1: there could ever be. As somebody who's a big fan of queer animals and queer birds specifically, it's just that was what my thesis was originally going to be about was queer birding and queer birds. <gasps> <laughs> and so Birdless was just pretty like cool. ah. it's changed you know focus on Aspens now but yeah Birdless we love Birdless it means a lot to um, me
2: how did that start? start Mary Alley saw me perform at Prohibition and they did one year and realized they need help mm-hmm. so then they called me cuz I again I was like the main MC for the foundational years of that venue wow. and uh, she saw me and kind of had this love affair with me and I had a love affair with her like just so sort of <laughs> yeah not romantic but it was like here. You're amazing! You're amazing. It's like, let's do this. Yeah, let's we're buying forces. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have a, chi- a child in the in the form of best. <laughs> and
1: uh, what a beautiful yeah. child! But it's a beautiful child, that's and it's great. been
2: going on ever since. And I have produced it while on a circus tour for a month and a half from that's out of the state. Wow, they just keep asking, and so I keep putting people where they need to be. And it's one of the most beautiful, diverse shows in the state. Yeah, and it's so, and everyone's so joyful the whole time. And that's when I realized. I only want to do productions that are joyful serving community representative of the community and doing like good work like i'm not here to say don't get your money don't get your cash but like, i'm done with bar shows because i want to be community oriented yeah. on a broader scale so more theater more transformational experiences that's why i run my program the way i do i'm like these are regular people with regular friends that just want to see who doesn't want to see their friends get naked yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> what i t-
1: think all the all time. time But i hang out with some of my friends i'm like oh okay 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 yeah, yeah. Not you, not you. <laughs> but, no, 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 no. My very close friends. Wow. We can do this.
2: You also teach a lot of classes, don't you? Uh huh. Yeah, I teach programs. My program is currently sold out.
0: I know, I know. Every time uh-huh. I think about taking a class from you, it's sold out. And then I look at the next one, and then time passes, and then I forget. And I'm in this awful <laughs> cycle of missing your classes and well, no then being that. sold yeah. out, <laughs> no which is really good that I can't get in because it's sold out
2: <laughs> and I'm a forgetful person. Well, I've decided that this year I'm going to just really double down on classes. So I've been running the program and that's been the majority of my education outlet. But now, again, now that I've moved out of performing so much in the bar scene and really only reserving my performance energy for things like burlesque, my showcases, education institutions, out-of-state gigs where I feel really respected. Mm. Like for instance, this weekend I'm going to, no, next weekend I'm going to Colorado for Felt Up. It's a puppet burlesque show. Shut up.
0: (laughs) I love all the (laughs) (laughs) puns. My brain like, broke a tiny bit. It's the Uh,
2: best. (laughs) So, but those are the things I'd want to do. It's like, I want to have those passion projects. I want to go on a circus tour where, Mm -hmm. you know, we're collaborating in this beautiful space and setting up from town to town. I, yeah, I really want more of that. So I'm I'm out of the bar scene and it's, it's interesting because like, I want to support the community, but I I just don't, I'm not interested in alcohol. Yeah. I'm not. And I don't, I'm interested in radical social transformation.
0: It feels really small to keep your art form in that space. Like you need a bigger pot I do And a bar is much too small. too small It's too small It's too small It's too small
1: And likely everyone in the bar It's too small for them too It's too small for them It is unfortunate Earlier you said Mixing the trauma And the drinking And we see that All around us Especially in the queer community mm-hmm. In any marginalized community And it's like Man it's such a bummer That we're pushed Into these spaces And alcohol is so isolating Going back to the conversation Even before that So I'm glad to hear That you're out of it And I'd love to hear Tell us what classes You're teaching And um, how <laughs> Um, so, like I said, my program is
2: sold out. I used to do drag programs in the summer, but, you know, the drag scene, drag king scene is not as big. It's growing bigger. I am so happy to finally see another assigned female at birth queer <laughs> performer producing because for the longest time, it was only me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, actually. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, we have assigned male at birth. I know a lot of AMAPs. So many AMABs producing shows and drag shows, and but like, where... Where is the queer assigned female at birth producer? Yeah. The name is Madison Can Can. I feel lonely and I want my other people to show up. So after running two drag king programs, all of a sudden, now one of You're my like, children come, is come producing come a show me. at first. Corey Edgewood blew up amazing human being, slayed the City Weekly pageant, starting to run an all king show at Club Verse. Incredible. Great. And then a person, not even in the program, but outside of the program, but just incredible. Willie really toucha has been producing. <laughs> producing now. <laughs> Great. Sold out. The first Barbie drag show <laughs> has another sold out Barbie drag show. Printed it's just incredible. the most amazing thing to see two more assigned female at birth, queer people yeah. come into the production space because again, I felt lonely for sure. And then Liam, actually, Liam Manchester has also been <laughs> producing um, for a while too. And me and Liam were actually, so I was producing around, I was producing before Liam because of Burlesque, but Liam was producing drag before me. Okay, yes. But for a while they're I was alone. Gosh,
1: I just want to, uh, pun intended, drag all of you into the play that we're writing.
0: Yeah, for real. I'm like, yeah, mm, I, mean, I have I'm... the connections. Let's write a play. Yeah, Let's do it. Let's Fringe Festival. Actually, that's a really good deadline. I was thinking this Fringe, but- um, it, it, it just ended. Yeah. I, so you now, it, now so, you can start. So now I can start. Well, yeah. and
2: I, I have deep desires to do another Fringe show because that really- Because you
0: just did, you did Genitalia was the last yeah, one. Yeah.
2: And and then I did the Genitalia. Greek- Genitalia. Genitalia. Hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, They're so good. (laughs) But but that's not the last thing I did. The last fringe I did was in the pandemic Mm. and we had an oversold out house and then we're going to make all our money back from the fringe, but then COVID cleared out our whole house. And we did a, a show of my, my creation called the grief circus. Yes. Yeah. And that was one of the things I'm the most proud of. Mm. I had this giant black and white striped box and there was a judge that would read the grief stories of every performer before they performed.
1: The, the real stories of each performer. Mm-hmm. And
2: so there was... Powerful. It was very powerful. And there was this beginning where we were wa- wandering around and there was all this laughter and there was a black balloon that mm-hmm. one of the clowns, because we were all black and white clowns, would float around the crowd. And then the judge came out, popped the balloon, and then all of the laughter turned to tears. <sighs> And we all like fell into the grief in the audience and crawled out. And then the judge crawled up on the stand and started with the bong. Oh my gosh. Because time. Yeah. yeah. And then he read wow. the first story and then the first performance happened and then bong, bong, two, three, four. And it ended with the sound of the ocean to wash ah. mm. all the, and there was no applause. That was one of the rules. If oh. you wanted to contribute to the experience, the, the rule was you can, you can say, shh, not like silencing it, yeah. Like a, not like, like comforting kind of like, like a, like a mother. Mm. Oh. <laughs> I know, I'm getting the <laughs> chills. That's one of the most powerful things I've ever done. That's incredible, wow. and I want to revamp it. I want to bring it back. Yeah, Grief Circus needs to come back. <laughs> so that's one of my projects is to get the Grief Circus. The format's already there, mm-hmm. so now it's like a donut show where you just fill just the like hole. Like
1: fill in, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, so it's like here's the format, here's the structure, here's all the stuff. How can we get people to? Come and that's see it?
0: that's a really great exercise and opportunity for the artist involved to then one process their grief and have to write that in words and then create what are like three five minute
2: performance piece surrounding that incredible incredible it's one entertaining time you Um, should be so I want to revamp that if you write a show for the fringe please call me 1000% 1000% I'm here for the fringe festival at all times (laughs) also I love oh my current class offerings I do private consultations at all times if people want a private consultation in burlesque I do it if they need an act development I do it. If they need to know about drag makeup, I do it. I do all of it. But my current offerings are the program, which is sold out. But I'm starting a new course after Embody Erotic did really well this summer. We talked about fire and air and sun Ooh, and moon. Oh, how nice. How the environment and how nature is, every body belongs in nature. Oh. I brought nature to every body in that mm. space. So we embodied like water yeah. and the moon and the shadow and light and the sun. That's so healing. It it was really that was so- community City and, yes. like, with people... It's my
0: little woo-woo dance cover. This is like the non-toxic parts of getting a theater degree,
2: it feels like. Yes. Yes. And Um, I didn't get a theater degree because I couldn't stand it. Yeah. I was like, you don't let me be me. I want to smell candles and be weird with people. And I just want to dance around and be the moon.
0: Yeah. (laughs) that's so
2: beautiful. Well, and it went really well. So I have that whole entire program lined Mm -hmm. up. So I want to do that again next summer. And it really is just a dance cover. But now that that's over, we ended that because I'm taking a break before starting my program in September. I'm going to do alongside the program I've decided to do two different containers I'm going to have domination courses mm-hmm. uh, six week two hours a week come over to my house because I want it in my house discussion discourse and practice group on the fundamentals and psychology around BDSM and kink specifically the things that I see come up in Utah yeah. a lot yeah. so like oh, creating goodness. a submissive disposition how to navigate power dynamics in a relationship goddess worship and religious trauma within kink and community in kink all of these things is, as are the is the container I'm trying to create at the moment, and then I'm also doing Tarotica, so it's like Tarot, Tarot. Oh. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna take a journey through the Tarot, the Major Arcana, and it's gonna start. And so every class, dance class, is a, is a journey through the Major Arcana, starting with the Fool, and then the Magician, and the High Priestess, and the Empress. I so. want to
1: go to that, but more than anything, I want you to go to that, Mary. Yeah. Like, <laughs> everything for you. Well, <laughs> so, so, I can almost feel you shaking. How much
2: Wow. <laughs> it's gonna be amazing and so you know the fool will obviously incorporate clowning aspects mm-hmm. and it is theater dance i'm way less interested in choreography i'm not here to give like stuff five six seven channel. yeah i'm here to give concepts and then permission to embody the concept in order for it to apply to your life your body your, your body story and your sexuality and the breaking out of that it's really cool so when you say the program how long do these last are they weekly my program program is in the spring and in the fall. I take summers off because that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's three months long, three weeks on, three weeks one week off, three weeks on, one week off. There's a photo shoot involved with advertising, so these people have really good promo photos so they yeah. can move forward in life. They pay for the photos because they have to understand yep. photographers are artists and they deserve to be paid. And then a showcase and they get paid for the showcase. So this is a very unique format in that I pay my students to perform. Not every teacher does that. I do that. And we Hell split yeah. tips and <laughs> it's wonderful. Oh, that's great. So it's a three-month program, which ends up being four months with the photo shoot prep show.
1: That's awesome that you do the photo shoot. Because I know a lot of people in the kink community who especially, they're like, yeah, I want to have my photo taken. And what is the space that they go to? It's like fet life and Mm -hmm. somewhere where they don't know the other person. And the power dynamic is weird. And then they're like, well, I want this. And either they pay way too much or the artist themselves or the photographer themselves is just... It's cool that you create that safe
2: space. I like that. Yeah, indeed.
1: Can you talk about the sex-positive, sex-working
2: community in Utah? So, you know, sex work is a broad and varied category. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everyone gets their hackles up when I say sex work. And years ago, I put on my profile as one of my jobs, sex worker advocate. And that's because that's what I am. And I am a proud sex worker. I have no shame around it. And a lot of people are still in hiding about it. I'm not in hiding about it. I don't think that there is any shame in my work. There is danger in it, of course. Course, but mm-hmm. you you're really <laughs> going to tell me that I can't make money off of beautiful nude art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't understand. And art modeling in the universities, which is something I've done, plus domination, right, being a dominatrix. I have nothing to hide.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
2: I've never had anything to hide and people just get so like, "Uh, uh-huh, like, uh uh-huh, aghast at like the fact that I have the balls to be like, yes, I am. I own people. Mm-hmm. You can talk to them." <laughs> this is my slave. <laughs> I know that's a huge word for a lot of activists. In the kink world, this is what we call it. Every training, every convention, every place is like, this is my slave, And every slave talks about it in a way that's like, no, I am owned by them in a consensual manner because that's what a slave is. There's a historical American context to it. And it's not my personal place to talk about it a lot because in the world of kink, it is controversial, Mm -hmm. but you'll have the majority of people I speak to even within the black context are like, no, I'm a slave. I'm a proud slave. And if you're outside of the world and not going to these conventions, not seeing the people that live in this every day, not seeing the professionals working in it. And your only context is social media. You're not actually getting the real stories of these people. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt Judge me if you will But this is these are the terminologies And I have servants too So there are different contexts mm. Within what they consent to do yeah. And what they consent to not do And they're always that choice yeah. So in the sex worker community it, It's varied and wide I'm a proud sex worker But not everybody is out And it's dangerous And people don't want to talk about
0: it We have really restrictive laws in Utah oh, And then yeah. people
2: are just kind of scary And it, it's hard to trust people Well, and full disclosure I can't speak openly about it all Yeah Because it's too too dangerous. Yeah. yeah, but again, if you're a sex worker, you can be a sex worker of any kind, and it doesn't mean that you're full service. Yeah, everyone yeah. thinks that's what it means. It's not what it means. Yeah, at all. But you know, if you're exchanging sex for money, that's where the legality comes in. But mm-hmm. what is defined as sex? Yeah,
1: sex can be just looking at somebody dancing. <laughs> yeah, that's is Really, <laughs>
2: that's where, where, like, is that, that's it's where interaction between two people. that yes. is um that's where burlesque has its moment. Mm-hmm. Is it seen as a sexually? expressive dance form. And it's like, yes, and the argument for it to stay is the theater. The theater is what protects it. The artistry, the history is what protects it. But at the end of the day, it's sexy dancing. Mm -hmm. Same thing with stripping. It's sexy dancing. And anything that gets too close to the stripper realm in burlesque is like, oh my god, we can't touch it. But it's, if you're not aware... being sexy and being naked isn't inherently dirty and gross. And it doesn't make it less of an art form.
1: And being naked isn't necessarily sexual.
2: No, no. And moving uh, your body in a specific way doesn't make it inherently sexual. Yeah, like belly yeah. dancing isn't inherently sexual. And I try to explain that. The difference between sensuality, sexuality, sex work, and what it is, what it is, and how you can participate in a safe way. And the community, there's a huge community here. Yeah. And there are people who are doing it in very open, radical contexts where we can talk to one another and be like, hey! And then there's people that are very underground for a reason. Like there are, <laughs> you name it, you're looking around at people and a chance. Trans- are. Like, throw a rock. Yeah. <laughs> people have done it. They have an OnlyFans, they're mothers, they have children, they have families. Yep. And why is sex work exploding in Utah in the way that it is? Because people are poor. Yeah. So, there's consensual sex work, and then there's non-consensual sex work, and then there's sex work that's done because, out of desperation, because you just need money, and even if it's consensual, if you're pressured by the need for money, yeah. there's, a, there's a power dynamic there, because who, who are the people that can afford sex workers? White, privileged males. mm mm-hmm. So, you know, whenever I get a female client, I'm like, oh, yay. (laughs) My majority, like my favorite clients are the ones that come to me for gender expansive therapy. Mm -hmm. And I don't, and therapy is not the right word. Mm -hmm. It's not the right word, but that's the word that we have to use to, to, like keep sex work from being the word. Mm -hmm. But when they're like, I just want to be dressed like a girl. Mm -hmm. I'm like, great. And that's deemed sex work. Yeah. That's domination. When I just put them in girls clothes and put makeup on them and let them strut around and be beautiful. Who's that harming? No. No one, one. but the children. (laughs) The children they want it, but that's that's sex work too. Yeah, and so I have actually helped with families with trans children. I help them learn how to embody whatever it is that they want to embody. And I've actually had parents and children come to me in a familial context to get this help. What is to play with makeup,
0: children, and then to have like a vocabulary to have the physical vocabulary to be able to express themselves. Mm -hmm. And I take people shopping
2: because they they feel as if they can't show up to a place like yeah. like I mean, going
0: in yeah that that's a huge service to be able to go shopping with someone in a space where you're not welcome or you're not it's clearly delineated with genders yeah yeah that's
2: i do that oh. and i give them permission and i guard the dressing room yeah because i uh it literally and i i haven't had a lot of issues at all The people real people in the context of like mall situations or shopping situations actually tend to be quite open it's just the stigma yeah, yeah. that's the scariest thing it's the social stigma but most people i found when i show up with a client and they're this assigned male at birth. They're middle-aged, you know. <laughs> trying to figure out how to, to, out how to wear a dress.
1: What, what tops they like, what line cut looks what best fits, on fits them. What uh, colors. You know, fabrics just, they like.
2: Yeah. yeah. I just like show up to the dressing room and I'm like, four, please. <laughs> Thank you. And I'll just stand there and wait for them to come out.
1: Yeah. And, and the,
2: the attendant, like the guardian yeah. and the attendant will keep coming back yeah. and looking. But not, I haven't had anyone be angry or be like, yeah. you need to move or you need to get well, out.
0: That's it's nice to hear. It's like, it's yeah, too. it's very safe. I, mm-hmm.
2: I wanna pivot just a
0: bit because you're working on a book.
2: Yeah, right? I'm working on a couple of different books. Oh my goodness. So one of them is my biography, and Willie Palomo is a really good friend of mine. Oh, I know Willie. Yeah, we love Willie. <laughs> we love Willie. Who is
1: Willie Palomo?
2: A <laughs> uh, writing instructor. Mm-hmm. Oh. I used
0: to work with Willie at Promise South Salt Lake Doing oh. like after school programs. We love he Willie. used to run the like <laughs> writing center. Love
2: Willie. Yes. He convinced me. He was like you need to, I believe he's using he, she, or they. Cool. Good way. to know. Thank you. Um, super queer, super radical, amazing human being. And just was like getting on my case about writing. He told me, he's like, your voice reaches. When you post your poetry, people are like, what? And in fact, I had a call from a city arts council today that's like, we want you to read your poetry for an hour. And I had to say no, because I'm going to be at Felt Up in Colorado. Oh, ah. What a cool invite to get. Yeah. You said from the city council? Yeah.
1: Oh, hell yeah.
2: I know. Sorry. I'm
1: like <laughs> I'm bummed for you, but yeah. I'm also excited. I'm like, you got excited for this
2: excess yeah. of so like queer love coming in. Yes, come on! And I just told them next year. And yeah. I also had to do that with, I believe, it's Spectra, which is the queer arts dance movement collective. Mm-hmm. They asked me to be their headline speaker this sure. year, and I had to go somewhere else. <laughs> and I'm like, All right. <laughs> anyway, so Willie, back to Willie. I hate having to turn down gigs in my hometown because I'm already booked out of state.
0: Mm.
2: And I, I'm really trying to stay homebound and saying no to out of state things as much as possible. Even though I like it, the right gigs are finally happening in the city. Yeah. At home. I'm finally able to say like, I don't need to be in the bars and can have out of, like, out of the bars into the light. But and you
0: don't need to travel. It's right here. It's right here. It's, it's, right, here. Here. it's right here.
2: And it's happening slowly. Yeah. So I'm grateful for that. But it's called my book that Willie's like, get on your biography, get on your your stories, get on your poems, your poems, your stories, your journey is called (laughs) one tit at a time overeducated and (laughs) underdressed.
1: I I knew the the main title. I did not know the subtitle. Yes. All of it is fantastic.
2: (laughs) And it's just, it's going to be about what we're essentially talking about, but starting from the foundation of me as a Mormon person and the upbringing that I had, that was incredibly, Traumatic and not normal. Yeah. It's a cult, and it's only in my travels that I've had the reflection of people who haven't been raised here that are they're fascinated and horrified mm-hmm. every time they find out I'm a Mormon and I explain just the bare minimum of what I experienced. Mm-hmm. They look at me as if I'm like there's like a pity and mm-hmm. a fear and an awe, mm-hmm. and so I want to write to that experience of no, please don't pity me. Yeah. Yes, it sucks. We have to live with it, mm-hmm. and what does and we that have to move, move past it forward? It. Yeah, we have to move forward, and, but not and not in like a bypassy way, but in an acknowledgement of like this controlled my psyche. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's also, I mean, the foundation that you're built on, even if you unlearn what you've been taught, it's like, yeah, no, that was, that was the first building block of your and life? I've been building since. And so it's there, it's part of who I am. And I think a lot about that with trauma and not just the trauma I've experienced, but everyone else and It's like, yeah, no, that's, that's there. And sometimes when people bring it up, you're like, this you really- can just be like, oh, that is a thing. That's one of your building blocks. And like, let's, keep going but other people like to really stick there and they're like tell me about this horrible documentary that was your life
2: and you're like no 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think there's a balance to be had between both where it's like we're not going to like dig into it and get stuck there mm-hmm. but the real raw human experience of that needs to be acknowledged
0: We're yeah. like honoring like this mm-hmm. shitty thing happened mm-hmm. or like someone told me a bunch of really horrible things as a kid that now kind of influence the way I act right now <laughs> but that's yeah. who I am now and that's how I view the world and that's That's something
1: I
2: reevaluate and
1: I'm excited to see how you navigate it. Yeah.
2: And the writing to the, again, it's not getting stuck there, but if we pretend that we're not stuck there, that's actually more damaging. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh no, I'm not sad. No, you have to voice it. I'm I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Are you fine? (laughs) Are you really fine? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. fine. And that's a, and that's a traumatic response to masking. Mm -hmm. Right. And as a theater person, I can, I consider myself a master mask worker, right? I'm like, ah, I'm this now. I'm this now. I'm this now. And if you take them off, there's this
1: mm-hmm. human,
2: right? That is sad. And, but there's so much joy. And I believe that the depth of the sorrow is the the height of the joy. Yeah. But until we get down there, really down there and dig, 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 and unearth and, you know, I do this, I'm tossing <laughs> um, unearth the, the literal shit we came from. We're not going to reach the, the peak ecstatic states that we want. Yeah. And that's what I'm writing to is both the beauty and the horror and that's poetry yeah that's poetry yeah so that's your memoir and you uh-huh. work in a, another poem. i am and this is a choose your own sexual adventure my goodness there is it's a you know those choose your own adventure bios. yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so it's like that and i'm collaborating with my friend michael and he has a degree in psychology and specializes in morality and ethics Ugh. so we're bringing morality and ethics psychology to kink and sex and relationship and choosing the kind of relationships that you want through a choose your own adventure book, so it's like an adult. That is so, cool. it is so cool. It's a it's an adventure book that has like a little gnome, and our little gnome <laughs> is the guide, oh my and gosh. he's going to be on the bottom pages, like running, and like he's going to be taking his clothes off as he's running. Oh, I love that! <laughs> That's <so fun>. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> love that. And there's like a whole diagram of, are you horny? Right? And yeah. then you take like, go to page four. That is so <laughs> funny. Are you lonely? Go to page six. What are you <laughs> feeling right now? Go to page da-da-da. Oh, are you I love. unsure? So be- there's all these diagrams, Jesus. pictures, and just like mini snippets of, are you feeling like you want to be kinky? And then kink. And mm-hmm. then whoosh. Sexuality. Whoosh. You are you straight?
1: Whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love this idea, and you could take it in so many wonderful directions, right? And it's
2: it's really fun. We've already been drafting, and as we're drafting, we're realizing like how big this book could be. Mm -hmm. So it's about narrowing it, having just little snippets, and then resourcing as much as possible. Like, okay, you want to be polyamorous? (laughs) (laughs) A bunch of books and Instagrams and things. So we're doing a resource list, mini snippets, adventures, turning the pages. It's a whole thing. I like how you start
1: it with uh, a feeling-based. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I've seen stuff like that, or those dumb card games. You pull a card, do an act, and you're like, no, that's that's really just not how... A, how this works. How that works at all whatsoever. There was another question that I keep thinking about, the, the laws in Utah, and has there been any activism that you've been a part of or that you know of that's trying to
2: push and change those laws? So it's interesting. In Idaho, they abolished the blue laws, but it took a court case. Mm-hmm. So Frankie McDonald was a burlesque performer, is a burlesque performer based out of Boise, and... Is- It was her that had a lawyer that took this, this violation of the blue laws Mm -hmm. to court in order to have it faced and then dismantled. Mm -hmm. So I spoke to Frankie when I was trying single handedly to dismantle the blue law system. I had a bug in my gut (laughs) about getting the blue laws eradicated so we could actually express ourselves with old tits out. And it's just not, it's not happening. Even with the ruling of the 10th district court with the free the nipple thing, not happening, not happening, not Mm -hmm. happening because alcohol and nudity do not mix in the state of Utah. Alcohol. Number one is an affront to the Mormons, but then you have a society who is craving sex at all times, but just can't acknowledge it. We have the highest rate of pornography viewing and nobody's acknowledging what it is that's going on. It's a problem. It's a problem.
1: And I guess that goes back
2: to it needs to be in a sanctioned performance space, not a bar. Yep. If you can be in a theater. I wonder. Well, and it's alcohol. So with burlesque, if there wasn't alcohol, we could have our tits out. Yeah.
0: It's
2: alcohol. It's just all around alcohol. And so when I did my genitalia show, I did the whole run with the Fringe Festival nude because there was no alcohol. And then there was a new festival called Solo and it was one person shows and they asked me to be a part of it. But then Wasatch Theater Company, WTC, had alcohol and was like, we can't do that. Mm. And so they moved the entire festival to Salt Lake Community College so that I could. Wow, t- how amazing. I was so grateful because they called me and like, this is going to be an issue. And I was like, yeah. And then a little while later, they were like we're moving the festival and I called the coordinator and I was like did you move the festival because my ass me. like, <laughs> I mean I mean I'm like please just tell me and she was like yeah it was you I'm like, ah. like well, number one thank I you. am so great. Thank, yeah.
0: thank you thank
2: you thank but- you thank you so much and she was very happy to do it but and the WTC had a bunch of their own issues like seriously super big issues so it was like the beginning of the end for them what which was be- great I, I mean again I'm not here to get into drama but <laughs> I used to blow things up. Uh, (laughs) Because there needs to be these discussions and I'm not afraid
0: to have them. Yeah. How can we both support the burlesque community and the sex working community in Utah?
2: You know, I think that this is a huge thing. Allowing us to speak for ourselves Mm -hmm. is great. Really listening to what it is that we do and how it is that we do it. Sex work is one of the most rewarding and difficult jobs. It is so needed. It is so sorely needed. People are literally dying for human connection and touch yeah mm-hmm. yeah they are so touch starved connection starved. so it's like showing up to these classes getting in community sex positive utah is a group i'm a part of and they're amazing
1: i have not even heard of that
2: meetup again. sex positive utah i can send you the links absolutely to. and this is not a facebook group because again facebook has all sorts of issues with mm-hmm. anything regarding sex so we have to do meetup meetup is not an ideal platform but there are conscious community courses there's tantric courses there's sign up for my domination class mm-hmm. get to involved in the kink community but but like again pay people pay, so people, pay people for knowledge but even in the kink community you have to be wary of where you go mm-hmm. and FetLife life is not monitored no hmm.
1: and it's also one the website is just crap it's okay. so bad
2: it's hard to navigate but it's what we have mm-hmm. and facebook isn't the greatest either but it's what we have but yeah it's all about again grassroots connection if you know somebody that needs somebody ask the questions link 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 yeah, link yeah
1: i have just two more questions nice. the first one is going to be what's your dream project and then and to wrap up, last, we'll where can people find you? Where can people find your classes? All of that. But if you had any questions before those final two, no, oh, no. Okay, tell us your dream
2: project. I feel like I'm in my dream project. <laughs> <I> <laughs> Hell <do>. yeah! <laughs> I have goals to create a beautifully sustained theater, movement, dance, expressive community, a poetry collective. I just want to be in community. I'm more tantra and open sexuality, connectivity, merging BDSM and Tantra is one of my biggest heart goals specifically with queers because Tantra can be so very heteronormative Mm, mm -hmm. and I've seen this time and time again where the queers are just kind of, it's not that they're not welcome it's just, and you know, in Tantra the heteronormative couples will play with each other but it's swingy, it's not actual attraction and it's objectifying, it's not actual inclusion and attraction so it's very tokenized. So I want to see a queer, vibrant, inclusive Tantra community, kink community, I want to see things change for the better. I want to see more of us showing up for each other, with each other, with an open heart, in order to collaborate. I know this is a lot, but this is my dream project. It's community,
0: <laughs> but it's yeah. bigger than
2: that. And I see it like a Venn diagram, which in ancient tradition is called the Vesica Pisces, mm. and it's a magic symbol where two circles, two communities, overlap, and it's in that centered piece again, almost like a diamond, where the portal to new thought and the new world exists. And that's where I want. I want what's going on all ready to meet what is in the shadow same thing with theater same thing with drag bring us up come down to our level down because that's where you put us mm-hmm. same thing with bdsm and tantra tantra come meet us here bdsm meet us here let's have an overlap so that's my dream project is to really finally have all of these various communities look at each other recognize each other and intermingle in a way that supports both methodologies without demonizing or belittling or canceling one or other. Other.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I love the idea of the Venn diagram and bringing the different communities together. I think a lot about the environmentalism, environmental justice, mm-hmm. and then the social justice, the queer justice that I try to bring to the table. And it's like, yeah, it's a Venn diagram. That's, yeah. I'm going to. That's a good place. Yep. Uh, we'll think about that now. <laughs> Thank you for that.
2: <laughs> Thank you for listening. And the last question was. Yeah. Where can we find you? Where can we support you? Oh, yes. I mean, yeah. is currently going under a revamp because it has all my stuff. It has all my podcasts, all my things, all my all my everything. Lots of images, but it's currently going under a revamp because I'm moving towards more an education-based thing, less of a performance-based mm-hmm. thing. So www.madazoncancan.com, CanCan at gmail.com. Email me about anything. Facebook, Madison Can Can. <laughs> um, I am. If you type in Madison Can, Can into Google, you will literally find whatever you want. <laughs> Perfect. Um, the Salt Mine SLC is the erotic move dance studio that I'm a part of. So the salt mine is huge. My website is huge. My Facebook page is huge. Yeah. Instagram. I'm always announcing there. And I'm constantly collaborating with different collectives like the pride center, Mm. right? I see an ASEC, which are big sexuality education institutions with the burlesque community, with the drag community, with the kink community, as much as I can. I'm doing, doing what I can, where I can. There's a beautiful circus collective called Wayside Caravan that I'm now a part of as well. And there's just, I'll post (laughs) on my page yeah, yeah. here yeah. Yeah, everywhere. And we'll follow. Literally everywhere.
1: And for folks listening we'll have all of these things linked in the show notes so you won't have to go too far if you're interested in any of
0: this stuff. And for real follow Madison if mm. you see them anywhere you are in for a treat. Mm-hmm.
1: Well thank you Madison so much for coming on. We've been looking forward to this for a long time. Yay! <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'll thank AJ Van Zeben for the intro music and I always end this podcast with a phrase that my dad says and i love it and i'm just gonna keep doing it mary but we can talk about it Uh, it's use your head and be clever because i love my dad bye everybody anyway (laughs) i love you use your head be clever